Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. It, it, it seemed like they, the NFL wanted to give us some bye weeks, so the football gods were like, hey, let's just spice it up a little bit. Let's just make it nice and nice and strange for you guys on this NFL Sunday. So we're going to start tonight like we start every single Sunday night with our first 15, which you know, aligns nicely because NFL teams have first 15s and so do we. Yes. And the only I just want to talk about how weird today was. I mean, it was just such a strange day. And it started with the game this morning, right? I mean, it, the Jags getting their first win, which we'll get to a little bit later. And then it just kept on going. I mean, the Bears game had the, some of the strangest officiating decisions I've ever seen. And going both ways. It's not a complaint. Yeah. I mean, the Packers had a touchdown wiped off the board. There was talking about that Sunday night game that just happened. I mean, obviously the very strange review. Yeah. And it ended up not mattering. The Steelers end up winning. There was a tweet today about Patrick Mahomes' contract and the remaining money on that deal. I'm not going to say who it was. It doesn't matter. But that was a moment that happened today. I, there's so many things. The Browns had a Hail Mary to end their first half. Yeah. It was a also a banner day for strange press conferences in the NFL. Yes. Dan Campbell called out his quarterback in a way that I can't remember a head coach doing. And the deep breath before he did it was amazing. Like He He's, knew he was about it, to two-hand shove him, and he was like, here we go. All right. Am I going to do this? Am yep. I really going to do this? Sometimes I'll do that on the show, but we can yep. edit it out later. And for the shows that aren't on Sunday nights, there's no editing Dan Campbell's press conference. So his exact words, I will say this. I feel like he needs to step up more than he has. I think he needs to help us. And then he said, just like everybody else. So he walked back a little tiny bit. Yeah. And then Brandon Cooks today just roasted his own team after the game. He said, you can't make anyone disciplined. You don't have. You got, you've got to want to be disciplined. Do you want to be that or not? It's as simple as that. Success is not a gimmick. Discipline is not a gimmick. So <laughs> some bad teams getting frustrated, and it does feel like we've kind of reached that point in the season where there's some attrition with injuries, where some teams are just kind of falling out, and that's where we are. That's what week six kind of feels like. We've kind of gotten into the downturn in the middle of the year. On a crazy day, though, the craziest thing that happened might have been the game in New England. Dak and the Cowboys come back. They beat the Patriots 35-29 to in overtime. Brings the Cowboys to 5-1 and on the season. Dak throws for 445 yards and three touchdowns. They now have a three-game lead in the NFC East. I mean, this game gave me whiplash. I mean, that sequence with the Trayvon Diggs <laughs> yes. interception followed by the Kendrick Bourne touchdown. I mean, that runs the entire gamut of emotions. If you're a Cowboys fan, a Patriots fan, I mean, this game had a little bit of everything. And even like at the end, like for, for gamblers, because the spread was three and a half. So it looked like the Cowboys were going down to kick the field goal. And then, you know, Dak hits the the rollout, yep. the sprint out, yep. or I'm sorry, the naked, and he hits CD over the top or on the over route, and that leads to a touchdown. They cover, so it's like I think I think that game had a little bit of everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's the the yeah, I think it was a big dump of cold water on like as optimistic as I could be uh, on the Cowboys, and I think a lot of us are. Is that Mike McCarthy is still the head coach making some of these decisions? <laughs> <laughs> and we've seen hints at it. We had it at the Monday night game, I believe, where at halftime there was like a minute left and he had two timeouts and he like just didn't take them, like against the Eagles, who we have seen now as not one of the better teams in the league. Um, we, I, I, uh, Football Outsiders right now, they had the fourth and one that ended up being the 51 yard field goal that they yep. missed. And then it would pick six and then the whip. Uh, I honestly, that was just like, 
like had to take a moment just like going like okay when the Kendrick Bourne touchdown happened I thought it was a replay at the first like when I first happened and then I was like oh that's uh, this is live that just happened first play guys two guys almost kneecapped each other but what a wonky game but also some great performances from a couple players but then just also just some bizarre performances you talked about the refs in the Packers Bears game the refs in this game were bonkers too like they it was like just the add to the strangeness it was like yeah let's just flag the Cowboys for three quarters and just see what the score is that's what it kind of seemed like that that's what they did throughout this game but that's that's just the whole theme of the game was the whole vibe of it so my takeaway from this on the Dallas side is that similar to what you said the McCarthy stuff is a little bit worrying just because yeah. Everything else about this team is roaring on all cylinders. So much fun. Right? I mean, the, the offense is really clicking. I mean, Dak looked excellent again today. Yep. You know, just the way the offense has looked, all the different things that they can do, all the places they can go when they need a huge first down, the run game, everything else. Tyron Smith got hurt in this game, which is a bummer. You know, hopefully that isn't a long-term issue. But we've seen everything this offense can do. The defense is still playing well. You, know, you have a couple guys on that side of the ball. Dick, how do you feel about the the Bourne touchdown? That's probably on the safety to that side, right? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a little bit of both, but it's I would put it like seventy percent on the safety and thirty percent on Diggs if if I had to like differentiate it to who. But I I mean it's the safety. I mean, come on, like go make a play. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I like, felt like, about it. Was, like, it too. Fair catching it almost. <laughs> like, so yeah. you have you have Diggs getting a pick every single week. Randy Gregory's <laughs> playing out of his mind. Out I mean, that mind. both sides of the ball are playing extremely well. To me, the only thing that it can derail this team right now in these moments is some of the decision-making. Yep. I mean, not going forward on that fourth and one and kicking the 51-yard field goal, I mean, that's the type of stuff that can torpedo you even if you have a ton of talent and even if that talent, again, on offense and defense is being deployed in the right way. So I have a lot of enthusiasm about this yeah. team and just the way they're playing football. I think that when we get down to some of these crucial moments, I still have some serious doubts about the ways that they're going to handle them. It's it's you know they can keep up with anybody as long as they don't totally. shoot themselves in the foot. Like which is actually kind of and a that, lot of that's fun. That's a big butt at this point. As a neutral fan, it's amazing to watch. It's like an entire team of Jameis Winston. Like that's what that's what, <laughs> that's what this team is. It's like they are going to do great plays. You just hope you might just some get some chaotic play at the 5-yard line where it's a bad snap or the two defenders running each other, or two guys blitz that aren't supposed to blitz. Like, it's just hilarious. There's so much talent on this team, and then just these moments of like, what was that? Uh, but this this offense is, we've talked about many of times this season already, but it's one of my favorite watches in the entire league for everything they do, running and passing the ball. Like, even just the formation looks they did, did today, knowing they're going against a Patriots defense, like a, a, a Patriots defense or a Belichick defense or like a Saban defense in college, you know they have so many rules. They we are running yeah. these looks, and we have rules, 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 three by one rules, two by two rules, empty rules, all these rules against these different offensive looks. What the Cowboys did today, and how a good way to break that, other than having good players, is let's make it look weird. Let's make it. What are, what are your rules against four by one? What's your rules against jet motion right at the snap of the ball? What about if the running back tight end, and we have two tight ends and a running back all on the same side? Like, just how do you play that? And you can see the entire game that the Cowboys are leaning into that just four by one personnel, uh, even just like tendency breakers. Like they've been running jumbo personnel and putting Connor McGovern, the uh, six offensive mm-hmm. lineman as a fullback. They pass out of it today and they ran like a play action pass. out. And it was like, okay, they haven't done that yet. And so it's like, okay, there's a little tweak that they're, that they're doing on these next steps. Um, the walk-off TD, the CD lamb was, I mean, they just had all these bootlegs and you could just see D- Dak going one to two to three, even like the third and 14, this is really the one I want to talk about was it was 01 personnel, which we have seen CD Lamb getting handoffs uh, throughout this year, four receivers and a tight end, uh, no one. And they went on four by one formation out of it and passed out of it and ran like a drive concept. And it's just like, you could tell the the Patriots defenders. It was a wide, it was uh, the third and 14 where uh, Wilson ran for the first down, like on a little crosser. Mm-hmm. And you, you could just see the Patriots defense going like, all right, we're doubling the tight end, and we have to worry about four receivers. Like, all four of us are singled up on these four. Like, you can even see at the snap of the ball, the safety going, I know I'm supposed to double 86, the tight end right here, but okay. Like, <laughs> And there goes Cedric Wilson just running wide open for the crosser for the first down. But that's just what you have to do against a Belichick defense is show them this, splash the water, and then 
sucker punch a bunch of bunch of bolo punches and then also just little window dressing on the stuff you like to do i love the game plan from the cowboys today i mean they're they only had one three and out the entire day i believe they're just every drive went six or more plays it was just a really good performance they just had a couple funky plays and that kind of sums up their season a little bit too when you combine all of that with Dak just making some big time, big time throws. I mean, oh. that third and twenty five throw he hits to CD <laughs> that, awesome. that that sum up is just like what a huge moment. And yeah. then the fourth and four to Cedric Wilson on that fade out of the slot, great catch, yeah. but also a big time throw. I mean, on fourth down to As put that ball in that hit. spot. I mean, he's playing quarterback at an extremely high level right yeah. now. And that's why it's fun because it, it's an offense that clearly knows how it wants to deploy these guys. They have a ton of talent, and their quarterback is playing about as well as any other quarterback in the yep. NFL. I mean, this team is for real. I mean, yep. they are legitimately a contender in the NFC. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about some other teams that played well today, but you know, there's really no denying that they're, they should be around. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. Yep. They have a yep. three-game lead in their division right now. They're yep. going to run away with that division. So now it's just a question of what is their ceiling. And I have no reason to think it's not really, really high. It's not right up there with anybody else. We, we've seen proof already that they can go toe-to-toe with good teams. <laughs> like yeah. It's not like where it's like, well, we have to see their schedule. It's like, no, they, they've done it already against good teams and they've like and it's how they we've talked about like that's one way you prove yourself as a contender is winning in different ways as a team Mm -hmm. is offense defense or special teams but even just as an offense is it passing is it running and today it's or week in week out this cowboys offense just puts points on the board and it's so cool when there's so many good players and like you say a trigger man like dak that's just doing these things like week in week out and they're just like dominating like it's like inevitable every one of these you don't this offense never seems hard it's like well every bootleg goes for 10 yards every like run play like you can see there's no free runners it's a it's a unit playing really really well right now and and even just like little things like you forget what a good thrower on the move deck is because he tries to be such a pocket guy and like today the patriots are dropping eight and, and trying to make it real muddled for him and he's breaking contain time after time in time again and why he's doing that is because he's just changing the angles uh, to throw into these soft spots in the, in the Patriots coverage. And it was working. And it's just little things like that that Dak can do where it's like that's creating a throw in structure. It, it's just it's awesome. It, it's so much fun watching him operate, watching him play quarterback because it's just like what you want to see. Just him being a magician back there, but also being like a, uh, uh, just a professor just operating from the pocket. All right, let's talk about another team that uh, has absolutely has found some different ways to win, and uh, you have my attention. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Every single Sunday, there's a million things going on, and we like to pick out a couple performances, a couple players, a couple teams that kind of made us stand up and take notice amid all the noise on Sunday. And I want to start with the Ravens defense, because we talked a lot this week about Lamar Jackson. Everyone did. After that Monday night game, and he's playing extremely well in a way that we haven't really seen from him before. I mean, this is drop back, like let's spread it out and sling it around. And that's how they've been winning. That's not how they won today. They won today running the ball and then playing fantastic defense. I mean, they gave the Chargers and Justin Herbert a hard time in a way that we have not seen for most of this season. It looked like the Ravens from a couple of years ago when, when that Lamar burst yeah. on the scene, or even Lamar's rookie year when he came in the second half of the season. I, I love Drew Brees. I think it was. They were like doing the highlights for the Sunday night game. And he's like, it's a plug and play offense for everybody else because they got Lamar, like, you know, for the running backs, everybody else. <laughs> just have Lamar open up that run game for everybody. But I, I think that's the best way you put it is just that doing the spread drop back stuff last week or throughout the season and really showing what they can do with that. And Rashad Bateman does. You know, having him helps as well. Man, what good find those soft crevices in the zone. And like he, he had a couple of out routes. Even the ball he dropped, the slant route. I, I know we're going to talk about Lamar, but let me get my Rashad Bateman in real quick. He had the slant route that he dropped. It was a great route. And I was like, yeah. And I was from the slot. I was like, oh, they're going to lean into this guy. Just wait. He's going to have a game with, with 10 catches. He dropped it, but it was a great route. Great route. Hey, process, not results. But it's um, but it's with, with, this, with this offense or the Ravens offense, just – and watching it back on film against the Colts, it was a little different. We talked about it a little bit on Thursday or Friday show. Um, is 
it didn't look it looked very much like they had plans for it it was spread spread to pass okay if you want to blitz fine try and blitz us with like with spreading this offense out and then you can blitz us from that but now seeing them go against this chargers defense that the stat i think the stat of the week for me was chargers giving up almost 10 yards of play out of base personnel on defense was they're like okay let's get into heavier personnel 21 to 12 we went 11 last week but let's go 21 to 12 let's kind of do what we've done the last few years and they they did it like they were able to win this way and really just control the ball, even with maybe not having those big plays in the passing game that they got last week and a couple a couple other times this year. But like you said, it's a complete performance because even the defense was just man coverage and pressure. I mean, they just yeah. played vintage man. They said, you're not beating us over the top. We're going to bring some pressure. We're going to make it wadded up or make it murky for Herbert. And I would this speaks to it more than anything. And I tweeted this clip out was, I think the Chargers offensive line and running backs, because Austin Eckler is a smart player and he got fooled a couple times on protections. They said, screw it. We're done sorting this out. And so they just full slid everybody and, and had the running back cut a defensive lineman because they were just like, hey, let's just wad up this blitz because I, I, we can't we can't block this up. And that's when you know that you're really dictating things as a defense is when you can just get the offensive line to slide everything. But that's how the Ravens won today. It was awesome. Uh, on offense, they clearly – were trying to play with the linebackers for the Chargers, who were missing two of their starting linebackers. Kenneth Murray didn't play today. Drew Drinkle didn't play today. And the motion and just all the moving parts and the way that they were trying to incorporate in that run game, that looked like the Ravens' offensive old. And it was exactly yeah. working exactly in the way that they wanted it to. So that was clearly the game plan. And then a lot of the – even the throws to Mark Andrews, the one early in the game where he takes it back behind – so he, he's running the shallow crossing, takes it back behind the linebackers. That's what they were doing. It's like, yeah. all right, we don't trust you guys to play with anything close to good eyes, and that's our entire offensive game plan. And it worked. And so on defense, I thought that they did such a great job of forcing the issue. They didn't yeah. blitz a ton in this game, but they, when they, even when they weren't blitzing, even they weren't bringing five or more, a lot of pressure looks, a lot of simulated pressures, and on money downs, on high leverage downs, they brought a lot of pressures that got home or influenced the play. And there's a lot of defensive back pressures. The yes. safeties came off the edge multiple different times on third and short. And they just, when you look at what Herbert had been doing on third down, the Ravens' plan was clearly we're not going to let you be comfortable on these plays. Like we are going to dictate the game to you in these moments. And that pressure combined with a couple timely drops, just a little bit. Not nearly as precise in those moments than, as they'd been over the first month of the season or so. And Mike Williams had a drop. Just little tiny things here and there. Also just some strange decisions. On the, there was a third and three where they had Eckler out wide. They brought a pressure off the left side. Herbert had to get rid of it quickly. Went to fourth and three. On fourth and three, they decided to go to Josh Palmer working against Marlon Humphrey. It's yeah. like those are some of the most – actually, that might have been Mike Williams. They went. I think they went to Mike Williams on that play working against Humphrey, and then but later on on third down they went they to Palmer would. working against Humphrey. So just a combination of not being comfortable and also just some weight, some strategic decisions in those moments that didn't work, and just some really nice performances from the Ravens defense. Yes, I thought that Deshaun Elliott was incredible. Like the couple blitzes he had that got home or almost got home, he had a sack, he had an interception on the interception he had. I think they were in man coverage, but he kept his eyes on Herbert the entire time as he was carrying Jared Cook up the mm -hmm. seam. So he understood when he needed to make a play on the ball. Josh Bynes was like all over the place. That was it's the type of performance from the Ravens that we'd gotten used to where it's everybody. Yeah. Every so many role players and guys further down the the depth chart stepping up, making plays. They got contributions from all over the place today. And I don't know. It, it just it, this team is banged up. Like I, Averett's going to be playing corner for them for the rest of the season, even when they get healthy. I mean, they have question marks, but it just feels like the amount of ways they can win right now, and just how many different guys have stepped up for them. They seem like they're going to be a team in the AFC, which I didn't think was going to happen before the season with all the guys they end up losing. Yeah, I, I went on a show last week, and they were like, "What?" So you still like the Ravens as your your division favorite? And I was just like. I think 
Like I, I think, like they, do. <laughs> I think I like them still, but it's like there's, it's such a total different configuration than what I maybe thought it yeah. would be. I mean, it isn't, but it is. It, it's, and even like speaking to like how you said, like the Ravens, like it, it's a different guy stepping up and like a vintage performance. Like just looking at their front, and it's Clyus Campbell, but then like it's a nice mix of like youth and vets. Like yep. Justin Houston's doing stuff, but then the rookies are doing stuff, and the Matabuke is doing stuff. Like just different guys are just okay there's a tfl okay maybe he's not you don't hear from a guy for two quarters and then all of a sudden he shows up again on a third down it's like ah that and and on the flip side is it speaks to how smart marlon humphrey is as well is knowing those stop routes and, and those isolated iso ball situations those three by ones and what we say on the third the fourth downs the mike williams and josh palmer that's the downside of being in those formations is you really only can run X amount of routes. No, no pun intended. That it's an X receiver, but just know you only can run that certain amount of routes from that spot. So Marlon Humphrey's like, well, I can squat on a stop route, or you're going to beat me vertical. But especially if we're bringing pressure, you have to get the ball out quick. It speaks to him how smart he is. He just knows. and how smart those guys are understanding how the coverage is tied to the pressures. Like Correct. they understand how all the pieces fit together, and I think yep. that you see that. And that's exactly how they play today. That's how it felt today. So yeah. just an incredibly impressive performance by the Ravens. Another Agreed. team that stood out again. I mean, it feels like we're going to talk about them every single week if they keep yep. doing this. And that's the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. 37 that's... to 14 over the Browns. They're still undefeated. No head coach today. Yep. No Chandler Jones today. Yep. And they just stomped the Browns. Who no Rodney Hudson. Were very, no Rodney Hudson today. <laughs> sure admittedly very hurt. Like the Browns are banged up in a way that even the Cardinals aren't right now, but this was a definitive, complete win by the Cardinals. I mean, it never felt like it was in doubt. Yeah, it's also, it's never, it's funny that a team dominated, because if you saw this at the beginning of the game when they're showing the, you know, assistant receivers coach is the comms guy, they're (laughs) showing their pictures. Shout out Spencer Whipple, him and I were GAs together at Pitt, Uh, so shout out to (laughs) Whip. Good job today, buddy. (laughs) I don't even know if he listens to the show, but it's it's so like that I saw that and I saw Ronnie Hudson was out and I was just like, and I, this is my lukewarm lock of the week. So I cannot wait for Friday show. Uh, but it was like watching that. I was like, and they're still just doing shit. Like it's still Kyler just making plays and it's still just defense stepping up. JJ Watts stepping up and, and Marcus golden had a great game today. Uh, Isaiah Simmons running around to the right spots. Like it, it's like they had all these guys step up in it, but just watching like Kyler, act like the 2004 Madden version of Mike Vick. Like that's what he kind of like is right now. Cause like, if you blitz them and you miss the tackle, it's like, you're screwed. Like the, the, uh, you blitz them, they throw hot and you have Deandre Hopkins, like breaking three tackles at the 10 yard line on a third and 10 third and goal at the 10, which is throw them hot, which is exactly what the defense wants you to do. And he's, let's just have Deandre Hopkins, just throw two guys off and score a touchdown. It's like, okay, that's how you know it's your year when it's like, you're doing what the defense wants you to do. And you're still scoring touchdowns. Like that's, that's what the Cardinals are doing though. There's these great players and they're putting them out in space and they're letting them win. And then Kyler's getting them the ball because he can do that because he just creates so much. But I, 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 I've been down. I always have about kind of like what the Cardinals do on offense, but they had a couple of fun tweaks today. Like they, they did a four by one formation on third down where again, it was Oh, one personnel, four receivers, one tight end. And they had Rondell Moore as the inside guy. He chips and then he releases into the flat. Kyler breaks contain, throws it to him and he runs for the first down. But it's like, when you have Rondell Moore as your check down option, yeah, like that, exactly. That's that's a good personnel that you, you that's an explosive personnel unit that you have going, and they're leaning into it and they're doing well with it. And just even got stuff like James Conner late in the game, like he might not do something for a half, but then it's all of a sudden that defense is worn down against Kyler, and it's like, all right, let's just hand it to our two hundred forty pound battering ram. And you can tell that everybody on the the defense is just like, no, I'm I'm good, <laughs> I'm good. I just chased Kyler three straight plays. I, I don't feel like taking a, a two four two forty to the chest. It's they're playing well. There are no uh, plays off against this against no. that offense. I mean, nope. you think about it. That third and twenty-one or whatever that they scored the touchdown on to Kirk. I mean, those plays are always available to this team. That yeah. you cannot take a single moment, or they're going to be able to just burn you to the ground. The, speaking of Connor, one of my early in the game, that third and six draw that they ran. That's right up your alley. That, that that's what you love to see. Love and that it. was uh, Humphreys just wiped out the safety on that play. Yeah. And I want to say that Kyler checked into that. Because it, he saw that they had a light box, and I think he checked into that. They ran a draw, and the left guard and the left tackle took JOK to the safety, and Humphreys just wiped him out. They had a huge explosive play on a third and six draw. Oh. And that they have so many back-breaking moments because 
if you let down for a single second, they are able to take advantage because of how well yes. Kyle was playing. And I think that you're pointing out that hot to Hopkins. That to me was the gap between these two teams today is that if you want to send extra heat or you want to try to heat up the pocket in any way against Kyler, he has so many different ways to beat you. Yes. I know Baker's hurt right now. I know they were out there without the two starting offensive tackles and their starting swing tackle. But when you bring extra bodies at him, he doesn't have easy solutions. Several different times in this game where they're bringing more than the Browns can block and he's just hanging on to the ball. Yeah. That fourth, There was a fourth down inside the red zone yeah. where Beckham just comes – there's, they're not enough guys. Like you have to understand, you cannot hang on to this thing. Yes. Beckham's on the left side. They have three receivers to the right. He's just staring down Higgins, waiting for him to come open as Beckham is coming underneath, yep. and he gets sacked, and yep. and the play is over. It happened multiple times where he's just hanging onto the ball, hanging onto the ball, even when they're bringing extra pressure and when they're playing man behind you. He was blitzed ten times today. He was sacked three times. And he finished five of seven for thirty-one yards. Jeez, I mean that the, they have they don't have enough ways to beat you at this nope. point when when they're banged up like this, when they don't have the ability to dictate the game to you, when there's no Nick Chubb, when there's no offensive tackles, and the game script instantly goes the wrong direction. You can understand how things can kind of slowly fall apart for this team, and I think that's exactly what you saw today. Yeah, they have no way to pivot, and that that's. No. That's why you need these quarterbacks that, that get you a bucket. And that's 100%. what we talked about. That's why that's where the tier starts and stops is like, is this guy creating for you or is he not? Okay. That's, that's really the tier cutoff before you get to the top eight ish guys. And, and man, the, it was just a butt whooping. <laughs> I mean, that's what it felt like. It, it really, really was. did. It, it just did. It felt like the Browns were hopeless on offense. Like it just was like, and then, you know, when uh, Hunt goes down, it's just like, oh boy. And, and, and Baker's taking the sacks. Like they had five total sacks, but I, I, you brought the double clutching and it's just, that's exactly it. Sometimes you're not hot, but you know, you're warm. And exactly. what, what that means is I, I know, okay, I have an answer. I know I'm protected, but we have five one-on-ones going. I got to get rid of this ball because <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust so-and-so against J.J. Watt. So, okay, okay, I got to get rid of this ball. You, when you're this long into your career, he has plenty of reps by this point. He's got to understand that clock's got to be quick. You got Even if you go, oh, shoot, that's not open, that hot route I was going to throw, that route, sail it to the stance. Don't make a bad play worse. Just punt. Just like, whatever, move on. But he's not athletic enough to create and do that. He's just a different type of quarterback from these other guys that want to do that, extend plays. Speaking of which, it's like Kyler, who can do all the creation stuff, is doing all this like awesome stuff from the pocket, which he has shown before, but just on a new level. Like there's there's a third down. I want to talk. It was a third and 10 after Baker's fumble, one of the fumbles. <laughs> sorry that, that was there, like there were multiple fumbles that was just like a little like as i as i went by but it's uh but uh the browns brought pressure and they brought a safety to cut like any inbreakers which we've seen so many teams do the cardinals had double inbreakers and rather than throwing the intermediate one which would have gotten the first down it was about 10 10 yard inbreaker it was almost like a uh like a dagger or a double drift double post kind of concept you'll see in like mm-hmm. seeing offenses so rather than taking the inside in breaker with the safety cut, he takes AJ Green on the deep one. He hangs in the pocket against pressure. A little short Kyler hangs in the pocket, hung in there, hung in there, waits that extra half second and just whips that in there. 20 something yard gain, huge conversion after the fumble, boom, big third and 10 conversion. They could have gotten off the field, but it's like Kyler didn't go read, oh, the safety cut it, time to scramble. He yep. went, nope, I'm resetting. Boom, throws it right in there and it was like oh shit he's evolved <laughs> how many go. answers do you have how many answers can you give us and i think you saw the two worlds today with those two yeah. quarterbacks you saw how drastic and how stark the difference is the browns can win with baker mayfield yeah like in the right circumstances they can but it's so much easier when the circumstances <laughs> don't have to be right it is. And that's exactly what the Cardinals did today. It, they, he doesn't have to be right all the time. You have answers that your quarterback can find. And that's the place that he's in right now. Yeah. And when you combine that with all the talent they have on the other side of the ball, I don't think Vance Joseph was worried for a second today. Yeah, that's I don't good think he was it. on the edge of his seat for a single second today. And I think that when you're playing against Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott or Lamar Jackson – 
the feeling as a defensive coordinator is much different. I just don't think when you're playing against Baker at this moment, yeah. when they're not completely the version of the team that they want to be, you're scared. You're sweating for a single second. Yeah. that that The two-minute drill last week is the best summary of it uh, against the Chargers. When Baker got the ball back to you know try and put him ahead, yep. 40-ish seconds, no timeouts, it was like, well, Chargers got this. Which is like, oh no, that's you know, if you're a Browns fan, it's like you if as a if you're not fearing or the other oppos- the opposing team is not fearing the other guy getting the ball like a Mahomes or a Rogers or Kyler now or Justin Herbert, all these guys, Josh Allen, Lamar, it's not a guy, and it's yeah, that's where he's at. Like you said, he's plenty past the bar where you can win with him, but it's just not that creation level that the top guys have. And again, it's hard. Like it's, it's hard. hard. It's so much harder. To that <laughs> and it's needle. hard. <laughs> all right. It is time now for the State Farm Surprisingly Great Performance of the Week presented by State Farm. I wanted to talk about the Jaguars getting their first win today. A couple really nice moments. I think this is as much about the Dolphins as it is about the Jaguars, which we'll get into here in a second. (laughs) But the Jags had some really nice moments today. I thought them going for it on fourth and six from the 35 with 53 seconds left in the first half where Lawrence has really nice ball placement to Chenault who falls forward for the first down on the next play, he rips a ball to Marvin Jones down the right sideline. Yeah. And so they were benefited from a couple decisions today, even though choice at the end of the game on that with eight seconds left running a play and knowing we can get down and still get a timeout. So a couple situational things from Urban Meyer that I think he deserves credit for. He does. It shocked me. There are a million different moments in this game where they had first and 15 for no good reason. So it's not as if everything is going well, but they had a couple nice moments. And I think the most encouraging part of this game is just all of the splash plays that you saw from Trevor Lawrence. And just the you can hang on to a bunch of different things if you're a Jags fan. It's like, all right, we're one and five. It's another lost season. But this guy continues to make four or five plays a game where it's like, all right, I can talk myself into this. Yeah. He's, he's the real deal. I, I'm a, I don't care if it's week six. It's like, he is <laughs> what he has shown. And I know this team's awful and all that stuff. What he has shown so far starting, uh, it, it's been glimpses of it throughout, throughout the season, but really starting the Thursday night game against the Bengals. And then, so us uh, so the last three games is where it's kind of been a lot more consistent and he's taken the real, I wouldn't say bonehead plays, but the too aggressive plays where he's like, I know I'm on yeah. a sh- shitty team coached by Urban Meyer. Screw it. I'm going for it on third and 17 and push to the ball. I think he had some awareness about what situation he was in as well. But just the total package of him, like not only just his athleticism and his height and just the arm strength and the accuracy, but just his intelligence, he handles everything. And, and trust me, there's guys – I've seen this multiple times throughout this year. I don't know what if it's the receiver coach or what it is with the Jaguars, but the receivers have issues in Jacksonville, just even getting lined up sometimes. And I see Trevor Lawrence, a rookie, they break the huddle, and this happens. There's some guys that are like this. There's some really good players that are like this that they don't they don't really know the play call, and they just have they need a guy to tell them where to go. Uh, but there's Trevor Lawrence, a rookie, just going, "Hey, Marvin Jones, you're over here." Chanel, I'm not knocking those guys, but I'm just saying, "Hey, Marvin Jones, go over here." Chanel, you're right here. James Robinson, flip flip over right here. Okay, you're right here. You're strong. You're strong. No, flip over right there. And he's handling all that, looking at the play clock, hey, changing the protection. And he shows this, like, not just once where it's like he knows what that play is, but it's like every snap. And it's like, oh, shit. And then, <laughs> and on top of it, just the athleticism to create movement in the pocket. Like, just seeing – watch Trevor that Lawrence. That, to me, is the most impressive thing. Watch him work left. That is the most incredibly athletic thing to watch a six six quarterback do – Watch Trevor Lawrence work to his left, either on a sprint out or a naked where he gets to turn his shoulders or when he's backpedaling in the pocket and working left and flipping his hips. That is incredibly impressive. That is like 0.001% athlete stuff. <laughs> and he's the quarterback doing that, who's also cerebral. Um, it, it's Sorry, I know we're talking about the Jaguars win, but what he does in all three levels of throws, he hits benders. Like he hits, um, he's creating, he's throwing a cross back over the middle. The like seam Patrick ball today was beautiful oh, so throughout. Beautiful. I know. And then All the back stuff. shoulder throw to Marvin Jones was another just like fantastic throw. Yep. But to me, it was the th- him navigating the pocket and throwing on the move. And when he – it's so funny because we're talking about quarterbacks. If that's not open, all right, how do I scramble if I'm yeah. – sh- he never freaks out. Nope. He is never uncomfortable. If something starts to break down, he 
tries to reset, but always with his eyes downfield. He's always yes. trying to make a play, and he never looks frantic when he's moving in the pocket. He's always moving with a plan. He's always moving to reset to throw. And for a guy that young with that skill set to have that sort of handle and that level of just calm in those moments is very impressive. A couple other guys in the Jags I want to talk about. Matthew Wright, their kicker. I mean, yeah, this is a guy who is on a practice squad and comes through in a huge, huge way for them today. And the other one, there there was a play today where it was – so Wilkins gets the strip sack of Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And then I believe on maybe the next play from scrimmage, Tua throws like a mind-boggling interception. Oh, my God. Just hor- horrific <laughs> interception. But the reason that pick happens, they tried – it was. Try and run play action, which is the only thing that the Dolphins offense can do at this point. It's like yeah. RPOs and play action. That's that's all they got in the passing game. Yeah. And so they tried to run a play action throw with, I think it was Gesicki kind of sitting down in the middle of the field. Shaq Quarterman is a linebacker for the Jags. Robots back so hard into that throw. So what happens is on play action, if the running if the linebacker steps forward and there's something happening behind him, they teach linebackers to literally turn around. So you're not facing the line of scrimmage anymore, and you run to get back underneath routes. He does this perfectly. And instead of Tua being able to hit this route over the middle of the field, he has to go back outside and just, for whatever reason, lets this ball go to Matt Collins that gets picked off. Yeah. So just those little moments. like that. Without that play by the linebacker, that is not an interception. And the Jags maybe don't win this game. He had a couple nice moments in this game. Quarterman did. And it's so, you know, good for those guys. You know, well done. You get your first win. You get some splash plays and some really impressive, encouraging moments from your young quarterback. I mean, this is you need these. It's going to be a bad season in Jacksonville, but there is stuff from today that they can absolutely latch on to. Yeah. Does Trevor Lawrence look okay? Does James Robinson look okay? All right. A couple of receivers do some stuff or a couple of defenders. All right. That's that's what the season is. And and don't embarrass yourselves, but we've already we've maybe haven't done that so well so far in six weeks. <laughs> but it's but honestly, it, what you can do as a Jaguars fan is is take, you know, take solace in knowing that Trevor Lawrence is a legitimate franchise quarterback. And I could say that six uh, two months into his rookie year. But it, like, I love that too, is that the field goals were hilarious because it was like I don't think Urban thought they were going to go in for sure because he just had his head <laughs> down the entire time. Like, why did I do this? Like, why? And I, he kicked the first one, and I thought that thing was going through to the tunnel. Like, he had a nice draw through. on it. Oh yeah, <laughs> they just bring it back did. in. Kevin Harlan was like, "Nope, oh, oh, it's good." But he actually had to walk it back, and like Trent Green got on him a little bit. It was yeah, but hey, drew it in. He went. He was in a country that appreciates kicking, so good on him. Way to go, Jack. <laughs> Congrats to the Jags who had the surprisingly great performance of the week. Because remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get a quote today. Before we move on, though, I do want to talk about the Dolphins really quick. Okay, good. <laughs> They're one and five now. Yeah. They lost to the Jaguars today. They did. I understand they didn't have Byron Jones. They didn't have Xavier Howard. That doesn't explain why they couldn't score more than 20 points against the Jags. Against the Jags. Against this defense, man. So you have Lee and Meikenberg playing left tackle for them today, which meant Austin Jackson bumped over to left guard. Kevin Harlan mentioned Lee and Meikenberg blocking like 17 times in this game. Like it's what he was watching apparently when the ball was snapped. It's fine. Kevin Harlan's great at his job. Be yeah. like Lee and Meikenberg with the block there. It's okay. Like, yeah, he does it every play. Like I don't, I'm confused as to why this is happening, but that them moving their, their first round left tackle they they drafted last season we'll to guard it. in the middle of the year. They still haven't figured out those spots. Tua played fine today. Yeah. But overall, this is a team that it wasn't supposed to be like this. No. The, the, this team at one and five, they traded back up in the draft. They are currently, as it stands, giving the number two overall pick yeah. to the Dolphins, or excuse me, to the Eagles for the right to draft a receiver that has like a Jalen Waddle might be fine, yeah. but like this team wasn't a Jalen Waddle away. They're one and five that, now, handing away a top five pick. Th- this is a nightmarish situation for them. I was going to say that move was like a cherry on top move. That was like, hey, this is our final flourish, and they're like, this is this is the prestige. Like this is the 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 onus of our trick. I know, like Jalen Waddle went ten catches for seventy yards today. 
Waddle, who runs a four two and change, ten catches, seventy yards, and, and he looks fine, like he does. You, he you looks, know. he looks just he, fine. He looks fine, but you don't take again five nine, one hundred eighty pound receivers in the top ten, and especially don't move up for him when you got other guys like Devontae Smith, you know, that would have been available, or if you had to go receiver, it had to go receiver. If that was your what you had to do in this draft, I mean, there was other ways to go about it, but it just looks rough. It, it's it's the fact that it's like this unit looked like the worst unit out there. But I mean, by unit, I mean the whole team, like they looked like the sloppy ones. They looked like the ones with watching Tua and Trevor Lawrence go head to head. It was like, it was, that's was a very stark contrast to see those quarterbacks where they're supposed to be your franchise quarterbacks. And I think that kind of sums up, uh, not really. It doesn't sum up where both franchises are, but it sums up where the Dolphins are. Because <laughs> I was going to say, Trevor Lawrence does not properly uh, reflect where the Jaguars are at this point in time. And this game could have been even worse. I mean, they didn't yeah. get a fourth and one. They had a turnover in the red zone. I mean, they're, this game could have been much more, even more lopsided than it was. I mean, it, yeah. it absolutely could have been a, a touchdown plus Jaguars victory. And this is just not where the Dolphins were supposed to be. There are going to be some really hard questions I think they have to ask themselves in the offseason. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? All right. Every week we have a couple teams that we need to explain to us what happened that Sunday. And today I want to talk about the Panthers and the Broncos, both of whom are now 3-3 three and three after starting 3-0. and oh. And here's why this matters. I think it's because there are some real questions that we have to ask about what happens next for these teams based on some of the choices they made this offseason and now what their trajectory looks like. So Sam Darnold today. Finishes 17 to 41 for 207 yards. A bit misleading, right? <laughs> Just an insane amount of drops, but he also didn't play well. So now, over the past three weeks in this three game losing streak for the Panthers, Sam Darnold ranks 32nd out of 33 quarterbacks in completion percentage over expectation. Oof. He's the only person who's worse is Trey Lance from over the last couple of weeks. He's 31st in EPA per play among quarterbacks over the last three weeks. I think he's somewhere in between the guy he was over the first three weeks of the season and the guy he's been over the last three weeks of the season. But now it's like, well, what the hell are they supposed to do? They have committed to him for like $18 million next year. What is he? What does this team look like? They gave away a second round pick in next year's draft to go get him. They just traded their third round pick to go get CJ Henderson I just don't know what their plan is supposed to be if he's going to play like he did today. Again, not helped by his receivers, but he was also actively bad today and has been for the last couple weeks. And while like getting <clears throat> or going for like a younger quarterback or a rookie quarterback, it's yeah, you're starting a rookie quarterback. That's where you're kind of the bed you're making. But at least you're setting yourself on a freaking path. That you're yes. like, you know, you know, the whole franchise knows now. Okay. Like, do you think the Bears now, we went over the whole Dalton stuff, but now that with the fields at, at quarterback, it's kind of like, okay, at least we know now. Like now we can, every other move you make now is a reflection of that quarterback because I don't know if you know this. I know you know this, Robert, but people listening, I don't know if you know this, but you need a quarterback to win in the NFL. You, you <laughs> so, do. You absolutely do. <laughs> you need a guy. We just bragged on Baker who's done to had some fine performances. We just got on him a little bit because he had, you have to be a legit guy. Like I, you just do. Otherwise you need a very, very good team around you. You can win that way, but just the margin for error, which we've already talked about before is so, so small. And it's, but if you now get a young quarterback and it's like, okay, we might take a half step back and, you know, we're, he's going to have some bumps and bruises, make some stupid mistakes, but it's like, at least everybody knows now what you're doing. Now, when you do with the Sam Darnold stuff, and like you said, it's, it's somewhere in between like the, they had an easy opening schedule as far as defenses they win against. They had some awesome game scripts. Wasn't he like, weren't they ahead like 75 percent of the time yeah. at one point <laughs> you know and it's he had they they did a good job for what they were doing they're making the reads easy for him but now you kind of saw what happened was the o-line gets banged up they weren't talented to begin with but now you they're on film now you know, the weaknesses get exposed more once you get more and more film out there and now you see where darnold's inefficiencies and his, his blemishes really get <laughs> they get magnified as you see more that more gets put on him and that's just what's happened. But that's the thing is if you get a young guy that, okay, he's taking the same bunch of bruises or maybe has the same performances that Sam Darnold is, he's younger, cheaper, going to put you just a whole different uh, um, time period, you know, timeline now. And that's what those guys do. And so now it's like kind of kicking yourself because now it's like we're half measures and now we're, we didn't really answer anything by doing this and uh, them being the Panthers. 
I don't know if this team is better with Justin Fields or Mac Jones or whatever. That's not the argument that I'm trying to make. Correct. But like you said, the Panthers chose a different path forward. Yeah. Because, I mean, even if they have to get rid of Darnold or they want to trade him or whatever, they're still on the hook for that $18 million bucks. It's guaranteed. Like, they chose a different door. The Broncos yeah. chose to just not open a door at all. They're yeah. just like, we're just kicking this thing down the road. And I can understand why Denver chose to do that. Now they're... We have to ask how long, how much longer the Vic Fangio era lasts. Like it, they're three and three. I mean, obviously not going to end tomorrow, but this is kind of was my concern about Denver coming into the season. It's like, are they just going to be another also ran team? And if that's the case, then what happens now? Like, where do they go from here? And they have like fifty-five million dollars in cap space next year. You know, they have a ton of flexibility, and that's kind of what I mean. They didn't go down any sort of path. Mm-hmm. They kind of put themselves in a holding pattern this year, and I think that's where they are. So now it's like, all right, where do we go now? Like, we didn't take a quarterback. Do are we going to be bad enough to take one next year? Do we go back into the veteran market with Carolina? They went a different way, and now, like you said. If you're not going to build around that guy and try to make that find one of the guys in the draft and say, we can figure this out a different way, it's the same way we talked about with Cleveland. It's just harder. Yeah. It's just so much harder to get there. And so you kind of walk into this murky situation scenario where it's like, all right, what are we supposed to be? What are we trying to accomplish? And I think both of those teams have kind of fallen into that place. Again, I don't know if they're better with a rookie quarterback right now. But they definitely have a clear direction with a rookie quarterback right now, just like you alluded to. Yeah. And you can even lump in the Falcons in this conversation. Yeah. Kind of. Yep. I mean, you really can. And it's they're they're, you know, having a, a tougher start of the season, even even with other teams going three and three. But it that's exactly it. It's what I think it's more you want to compare compare quarterbacks only to NBA stars. Um, in the sense that in like NBA teams, I think they have really figured out it's like, oh, we don't need one type of guy. We need our stars. You definitely need one of the top 10, 15 guys in the league. But then you have to build the rest of the system around that guy. Like, but you I, still I th- need that guy. That guy's still a necessary need, component you need, part. You, you need the guy. And then you have to go, okay, we, we're identifying this guy as our guy. And then we're going to lean into it. We're going to have, we have Nikola Jokic. Okay, now we're going to run a high post and run all the stuff off of him. Okay, maybe if it's not the guy, maybe if it's not where you want to be, are you sure? Like, okay, we're getting somebody's also reigns. We're getting the Sam Darnolds of the world. We have old Matt Ryan. We have Teddy Bridgewater. All fine options. But now it's if you go with a younger, what you're hoping to be a star, then you could just build everything else around that skill set. That if you have a Justin Fields, all right, let's run 99. Let's run the play action stuff. Now, if Darnold's not the answer, then everybody else is like, well, that's just the offense we ran for that year with Sam. Uh, it was different than the offense we ran last year with Teddy. Um, next year might be different. Uh, CMC, we're going to get you open in a different way. It's like, oh, you're just not building anything. It's just half measures. And I think as a franchise, for better or for worse, you have to take full measures, whether it's right, whether it's wrong. I just always see issues with franchises that take half measures and try to kick the can down the road. I think that's exactly right. And this year has been really a reminder to me and and kind of opened my eyes a little bit about just how important having one of the guys is because I've kind of tried to talk myself into different versions of it, right? Like in my mind, you know, the Niners are three or four plays away from winning a Super Bowl with Garoppolo. Like, man, man, the Rams are three or four plays away from winning a Super Bowl with golf. You can do it. Yeah. Like you can do it. If you do all the other stuff right, you can do it. But I, it, I really, it feels like you're kidding yourself at this point. Like if you're not making the huge swings to try to get one of the guys, yeah, it feels like you're doing yourself a disservice just because yes. of how high the degree of difficulty is to build the rest of it around him. And that is the choice that the Panthers made. Yeah, like even if they think they can get a better version of Sam Darnold, which they have, they undeniably have. This argument of, well, now we can get a top 10 corner and Sam Darnold. That's why we did it this way. It's like, okay. Yeah. Well, what does that do? Yeah. And that is, <laughs> I understand the thinking and I understand how you get to that place. But I think that this year and the first month and a half of the season has just been such an indication of how flawed that thinking can be. Because yes. when you watch these teams have one of the guys, which we've come back to so often tonight, it feels different. It just feels different. And I don't know if I can remember a time. And maybe it's because of how dynamic the athletes at the position are. Maybe it's because we've reached a point where you can't win with defense in the NFL. 
Like you can't just have the best no. defense in the league and have it carry you. You can't win with a running game. The way that the game has progressed has gotten to a point where you have to be able to score 30 points consistently to be a really good team. And if that's the case, you need a quarterback who can help you do that. So I just think all these different factors have helped us arrive in this place where it is so apparent that you need one of the guys. And if you're not doing everything you can to go get one of the guys, and if you're not sitting there when you don't have one saying, what can we do to get one? Then I think you're just spinning your wheels. I think you're just running in place. And that's what it feels like with a lot of these teams. And it's also a recognition of just the market. I think this offseason was the craziest year to get a QB, like craziest in the sense that there was options. There was ability. If you had imagination, you could figure out how to get a QB. I think this offseason, whether whether your options personally were or as a team and knowing what this next QB draft is, I've, I've been able to take my first glance at the top 10, 15 QBs in the, in the past few weeks. It's it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. Not a single guy I gave had a better grade than Mac Jones at this point in time than I gave last year. So, and the number one I have right now is Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. So keep an eyes on him. <laughs> but it's it's not a great class. But that's also an awareness as a franchise. If you're a decision maker, going like, "Holy crap! There's five legit QBs in this class. There's Matthew Stafford's on the market. There's I know they had to trade the boatload to get these guys." But that's the thing is they who cares. It's not who a half cares? measure. It's a full measure. They were like, hey, we planted our foot. And we go. We want to tell running backs to do that. Sometimes the decision makers have to listen to themselves. You know, they want to tell everyone else, hey, make a decision. Hey, do this. Hey, play fast. Make a mistake fast. Well, guess what? Sometimes the decision maker has to make the mistake fast. And and it just seems like a lot of these teams just don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it takes a lot. I mean, it's a dangerous thing. It comes with a lot of inherent risk to do something like that. When you take one, the clock starts. Like that, it, undeniably, yes. like when you take one, the clock on you starts, and that yep. makes it scary. But it, God, it just feels like, what are you doing otherwise? Go out swinging. Like, what are you doing? Yep, oh, gotta. You just gotta. It's your chance. When when you want, you just don't. It's your chance to be in that position. It's a, such a rare role that you get. You're one of 32 head coaches, or one of 32 GMs, or decision makers. It's like, don't you want to go out your way? As opposed to going like, well, uh, well I, it wasn't the right decision at the time because of the risk. And it's like, no, <laughs> like no balls, no blue chips. I mean, no and risk it, no biscuit. I mean, that's everything in sports. That's why I respect what the Eagles have done. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, if we don't know if we have a guy, so we have given ourselves all the ammunition possible to try to find one next offseason. It's yep. not the right draft to be looking for one. But when you have three potential picks in the top 12, you can... Ability that in some way to go find your guy because if you yes. don't have one, you're in a lot of trouble. Yes. All right. One more quarterback performance that I need some explaining with today, and that was Daniel Jones. Just a nightmarish Ooh. day for Daniel oh, Jones. Dan, Dan Jones three, had a six point four QBR today. Three six. picks, one fumble lost. Almost had another one on the first drive of the game inside <laughs> his own ten yard line. Right off the bat. So we he was playing much better earlier in the season we talked about it he was playing well but one of the things we talked about is that these just shit plays that would doom him in the past had started to disappear this is a pretty rough day and it is a regressive day negative 9.6 completion percentage over expectation today negative 0.27 epa per play for dan jones today and the plays were as bad as you you want them to be I mean, it's it's not as if it's like, oh, it's a tip ball here. It's a tip ball there. Yeah. I mean, it was brutal rewatching every single mistake he made in this game. I think the worst plays that you see a quarterback make, it's sometimes it's the picks, but I think really the worst ones is when you see the quarterback in the pocket, he wants to throw and he double clutches and then he starts to shift his eyes open, and he like opens up his body. And then here comes the defender just coming in. It's like Dan had about four of those today. <laughs> it was like, oh, no, Dan. we're talking about Baker. Hey, you're not hot. You're warm. Dan Jones is one of the worst at this. And this is why he has so many turnovers. You appreciate the aggression. You appreciate keeping his eyes downfield. You appreciate him trying to read out these concepts. But again, when things get murky on him, he's not the quickest processor. He's a He's yeah. a very pre pre snap great post snap eh. and it's sometimes when you're going to be in, you're going to live in that world you got to get the ball quick and the Rams today were either bringing pressure we saw a lot I felt like uh, Raheem Morris brought a lot more pressure today but I get it I get <laughs> seeing how the results I get why you did 
or they dropped everybody out and it looked like they flooded the coverage. Like if, if the Giants were in trips a lot, they were really pushing everybody yep. and, and pushing, pushing, flooding it. And that's where you could see Dan Jones going like, oh, I got to get to my backside. Guess what? Aaron Donald doesn't wait for you to get to your backside. <laughs> you got Just three seconds. Just make it muddy for him. And that happened yeah. a bunch. And the, the first Taylor Rapp pick was beautiful mm-hmm. because I think he thought he was going to come off on that shallow cross and Rapp just read his eyes and went back to the guy on the yeah. second level, picked it off, which is a great play. Great play. But it's here's why and here's why I want to talk about the Giants a little bit. It's similar to what we've been talking about. This team's one and five now. Yeah. All right. You make know how much cap space the Giants have next year? It's tight, isn't it? It's like six four hundred and forty five thousand dollars. Current <laughs> if if going off of a two hundred eight million dollar cap on over the cap right now, they currently have four hundred and forty five thousand dollars in cap space. No way. This is uh, not a team. This is not a rebuilding team. No. This is not a team that was feeling out this season. They have committed to this roster. There are a couple moves they can make. If they can yeah. move on from like Sterling Shepard or like Blake yeah. Martinez if they want to. Two steps forward, one step back. It's yeah. none of it really matters. They can free up some money, but again, a question of where are you? What are you doing? Where are yeah. you going? There is no answers with this team right now. And what do they do with their quarterback situation? It, he hasn't even been the biggest problem for most of this year. He was bad today, but they have a lot more stuff to worry about than him. So just them and the Dolphins, both of whom, it's like, all right, well, you know, can we take a big step forward this year? Yeah. And now sitting here at one and five. And, I mean, and it's bo- not a fun place to be. And both of them, what's even more disappointing is their units that we thought were going to be frisky. The defenses were like, yep. eh? Like, it's not even like where it's fun, where I'm like trying to find clips of them to post on Twitter and go like, hey, like, check out this cool shit they're doing. It's like, no, it's like I it's not good. Like uh, they they had a couple plays today. They got after Stafford a little bit, but it's not like we're anything to write home about, even though they have players that I do like. And and speaking just to the offense, too, it's like what you said, they're all in. Like they, they yes. These last couple, I mean, bringing Kenny Galladay in and, and you know, going with Tony and just like restocking up all those guys. It's like they were, no, they were like going like, no, we're getting Daniel Jones. We're on a rookie contract. Oh, I don't know if Gettleman knows anything about rookie contract. <laughs> <laughs> Maximizing everything around it. But it's like it. It's a lot of franchises that are like scared of failing to rebuild or scared of going completely all in or doing the right decisions. And they end up like this in no man's land and just hoping it's like, hey, it's NFL. We might get we might get a couple great breaks, but it's like, no, you're just acting. You're you're trying to be respectable, but losing money. Like, you know, it's like putting on a good show at a, like a, a failing organization, like a failing bank. But at least, hey, you dress nice and you show up on time. Like, that's what they're trying to do. It's like they're trying to fail respectful, like respectfully. But like, at least we failed with honor. That's why I feel like the Giants are doing a little bit right now. They have an extra first round pick next year. They have the Bears first round pick, which looks like it'll probably be in the middle of the first round somewhere. But I mean, what does that get you? Do you do? You, are you going to be in the market for one of the veterans that might become available? Like, let's say this team trades for Russell Wilson, even yeah. though they don't really have any cap space. So how is that going to work out? I mean, again, it's they have some room to pivot, but not a ton. And it leaves some real questions about where they are, which has been a common theme today. Not today, my good man. I'm feeling saucy. All right. It's time for this week's secret sauce. Every week we like to pick kind of a subtle part of a team's game plan or a certain concept that played a big role in them winning that week. And you wanted to talk about a certain route concept that the Vikings used today in a big spot. Yeah. It's a route concept and route name. Oh, I've been known to, I've been known. I've been places where this is called the stool route. It was Adam Thielen's touchdown today in the low red zone. Uh, they caught in the front corner of the end zone. And what the stool route is, is what's the route that everyone bemoans near the goal line. The goal line fade. <laughs> and what a stool route is, is it's a playoff, the uh, the goal line fade. The receiver is going to sell like they're running the fade, and they're going to work back down to the front pylon. They're going to sit on the stool, and that's hence the name. And uh, Randy Moss was the master of this route. Randy Moss was the master of fades. So let's have a change up off of that. This is one of the change ups he had. He, he's also pretty good at slants because he didn't have to get tackled. That's why he was okay to run slants in the red zone. Like seriously, because he knew he could just catch it and just be like, yeah, I'm good. Like that's why he would, he was really good at those in the red zone. But in the field, eh, didn't really want to run the slants. But anyways, but Randy Moss could just, he would sell these fades because they're 
corners were working their asses off to stay on top and he would just run underneath the front pylon really good route runners this is the best route for michael crabtree was good at it i've seen the chiefs run it with tyreek hill and travis kelsey travis kelsey is like the perfect type of guy for it good route runner and a big body and what it is is in, in the low red zone especially it's you're attacking horizontal space or you're trying to create horizontal space mm-hmm. uh, i talked about it before uh when we we're talking about the cowboys briefly was dak you know breaking contain because he uh, uh the patriots are dropping eight into coverage he's just creating new windows and why you'll see a lot of teams run sprint outs in the low red zone on a two-point play inside the five yard line trying to create new windows you're trying to change the launch point those corners are taught, hey, I'm going to inside, I'm going to play inside leverage. Now all of a sudden the quarterback's moved eight yards to the right, and that angle has changed that he's trying to defend. Also, they're bringing pressure. Sprint out protection is safe against pressures because it's just how it is. It's seven man, you slide it up, yada, yada, yada. But that's a whole sidebar. Um, but what, that's what you see with a lot of these things is why you see sprint outs in the low red zone, but why you see this route, and it's called a stool route, or at least that's what I've known it as. Um, this is also why you see shovel routes in the low red zone. Again, you're attacking horizontally, getting everything to widen and spread out, and you just hit it up right inside. And that it's a technically a passing concept, but it's really a run run game thing. Mm-hmm. Shovels really just power, um, but it, that is kind of what this is, and that's why you see a lot of sprint outs. What I've kind of really seen too is uh, offenses getting creative in how they disguise these sprint outs. It used to be if you saw a formation, you saw a one by three tight end over here or a trips, and the running back was strong to create a four by one spread out you're like you could just flags orange flags wave it whatever and especially older offense coordinators like jason garrett's one of them look for it on that they don't know <laughs> how to disguise this stuff and they don't run four by one concept so it's like a big red flag but now you're seeing teams really really learn how to disguise that motion to tight end over flip the back so you hide him just little things like that but be on the lookout for st- stool routes and sprint outs in the low red zone because this is a way to beat the two three de- two three defenses of football like you see in basketball how, how do you defeat a two three zone in basketball penetrate and kick that's what a sprint out does you're penetrating getting the defense to commit changing the angle and hitting them on the outside so yeah look for the stool routes look for sprint outs and that's what you see from offenses in the low red zone what as a defense, how do you account for that? Like, if you're the corner <laughs> on that play, like, what is what's in your mind? If you're going against Adam Thielen in that moment today, what do you have to take into account? Well, you have to play. Well, first off, you're playing the heavy inside because you're trying to take away the slant. So if I'm playing against that fade, it's really just have to get body and not overcommit. But that's really hard to do in the heat of the moment, and that really mm-hmm. comes with film study. And if if Thielen hasn't shown that route, which I don't think he has, I, I don't remember the Vikings. They, I'm sure they've done it in the past, but at least this year. So if that corner has never seen that shit, all of a sudden they're just like, oh, it's a fade. It's a fade. It's a fade. It's a fade. Oh, we got to watch for the slant. Oh, it's a fade. All right. I'm just going to trot on his inside hip. And all of a sudden he just whips right back. So really it's film study. And if you're playing leverage wise, I think it's just playing it slow. But the thing is, if you play it slow, you have to be long enough to play high, play high balls. So it's a pain in the ass. I think that's the best way to put it. I think that's the best way to summarize this route. There's also really good ball placement by by cousins. Oh my god! I mean, yeah. that, like you have to. That's a part of this is that you got to have a guy that can really fire that thing in there. I mean, low and away is where yep. that's going to work. Low and away. Yep. You have to have a quarterback that can make that happen. All right. Our last segment today. We got to figure out who's got the belt. You will rest in peace. <laughs> uh, every week was great. <laughs> we pick someone who was just a little bit of a cut above that week every single sunday always enjoyable the random wrestling drops that we do not know are coming from kent every week <laughs> i think that we have to give the belt to a guy who essentially was a wrestling character today and actually gave himself the belt when he scored a touchdown it kind of broke the bears back I'm giving it to Aaron Rodgers for multiple different reasons today. He, uh, yeah, he tombstoned you guys as uh, that was Undertaker there. That's what it, that's what he did. That was that was yeah that was that was a, a dagger. <laughs> that was like I, I as a neutral fan who was a Bears fan for three years, even I felt that one, and I haven't been a fan for of the Bears in nine years. I mean, what a moment! I mean, to to score that touchdown. And start screaming, all my fucking life, I own you. I own you. I half expected Mean Gene Okerlund to come in with a microphone. It was like an actual wrestling shoot. I mean, he turned into like an actual wrestler, like just doing some sort of promo in that moment. It doesn't get any better than that. 
Like it, it doesn't get any worse for me, <laughs> but and because it's so true. I mean, it that is. clip that is was going around of that guy on Packers Reddit or whatever is being like this guy just tearing out my soul every single. I mean, that's exactly what it is. The fact uh, that he can just sit there and be like, I own all of you to a stadium full of tens of thousands of people. And what are we supposed to say? Yeah. It's like, well, yep, I guess that's yeah. true. I mean, it's it's miserable. Yeah, I mean, like you it's, said, it, it's a, it's a shoot. It's it's so the you know, ECW back in the day in like the nineties, like a lot of guys would like shoot, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They're shooting it, and that's called a worked shoot. So now we're getting into all the all the wrestling phrases, all these carny phrases. Uh, but yeah, but the work shoots were always the best. And, and can I tell you? Can I tell you a quick wrestling story? And this is John John Harbaugh's college roommate. Is it was this wrestler named Brian Pillman? And Brian, I remember Brian Pillman. Yeah, Flying Brian. So Flying Brian was in, he was in the WCW. He was in ECW. He was in WWF. He was with the Hart Foundation. He was a four horseman. He was with all the big groups. That, as everybody knows, all these wrestling groups. <laughs> uh, but it's, <laughs> but in, in WCW, tag team with uh, Steve Austin right before Stone Cold became big. They were called the Hollywood Blondes. Can you imagine Stone Cold was in a group called the Hollywood Blondes? <laughs> so he was doing uh, his like new gimmick. He was the the loose cannon and he was shooting during, during real like WCW worldwide. He was shooting, he was talking real. He was talking about the stuff behind the business or behind the back in the business. And so what he did was he was faking that he was being like off script. And only one that knew it was Eric Bischoff, the head of WCW. But what he said, he was like, Hey, I'm going to make it. So everyone thinks that you and I hate each other and you're going to fire me. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to ECW. ECW was like the neutral site. WCW, mm-hmm. WWF for fight. I'm going to go to ECW. I'm going to become a hot act. Talk about how much I hate you. And I'm going to come back in like six months like as a hot act. And we just we just go to town and make a bunch of money. Eric Bischoff's like, yeah. So for months, they're selling all the boys in the back. Hey, boom. We're like, oh, we're fighting. Oh, he's, he's going off script. We got to suspend him. Oh, I'm going to fire his ass. So he fires him. Ryan Pillman goes to ECW. Works there for about two months, and then he hops over to WWF, signs a guaranteed deal for like twice as much pay. Guaranteed deal, but Vince McMahon, they used to not do guaranteed contracts. The wrestlers was they he gave him a guaranteed contract because he goes, "You're not leaving. I'm not letting you. You're not doing to Eric doing to me what you did to Eric Bischoff." So he worked the workers, he worked the boys, he <laughs> fooled everybody into thinking that oh, I hate everybody. I'm quitting. I'm I'm, I'm going off script, and he really did. He just doubled his paycheck, <laughs> and he went off. This is John Arbar's roommate, college roommate, but. Working to workers, that's a work shoot for you. It's a it's a fake it's a fake fake. There <laughs> was nothing what, fake about what Aaron today. Rodgers did to me today, <laughs> and there was nothing fake about what he did in that moment. I mean, it's just it was perfect. I mean, it was perfect for them. It was perfect for him. It's just like kind of how it's how he's been over the last few months. Yeah. I mean, like that's just kind of what it feels like. It just feels like an extension of the the personality that he's kind of portrayed and how loose he's been with everything. I mean, that was this is his gimmick very, this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a very real, very authentic moment, and it, it legitimately was. did feel like a pro wrestling promo. So we awesome. have to give him the belt. Good for you, Aaron Rodgers. Thanks for doing that to me just yet again. <laughs> Fight, awesome. I mean, we don't have to belabor it. Whatever game from the Bears. I mean, like, yeah. Zach, Justin Fields is going to have some moments every single week. He's going to have some rough moments every single week. I didn't expect them to win today, but I also didn't expect Aaron Rodgers to tear my heart out in front of all of those people. So that was the thing. It was supposed fun. to. It was just gonna be another Packers win against the Bears. Okay, another one, and then it's just now we remember this one. That's the and issue. Then, and then just I own you is trending on Twitter the entire afternoon. Really good yeah. stuff for me. Just so, all right. Little, little that's slit. all. <laughs> that's all we got this week, guys. Remember, tomorrow's mailbag is with Mike Sando. I think I, I don't think I've said that yet, but it is with Mike Sando. 872-222-7073 is our voicemail line. Please leave us a voicemail. We'd really appreciate that. You can also email us at athleticfootballshow at gmail.com. Until then, we really appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back tomorrow with the mailbag. Talk to you guys soon. This was the Athletic Football Show.